You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Hi, once again, and welcome to Open Court with Jay Young, your Fairfield University basketball podcast, starring the first-year head coach of the Stags. I'm Bob Usler, along with the Fairfield Hall of Famer, my broadcast partner, Joe DeSantis. In this edition of Open Court, we'll talk about the Alumni Hall finale, about the players who appeared in the Fairfield home game for the final time in their careers. Stags have a pair of tough road games coming up to close out the regular season. We'll talk about that. And the MAC tournament for the Stags begins next week. We'll be joined by assistant coach Chris Casey, who has been a part of 15 MAC tournaments as either either an assistant or a head coach, and he'll be a key part of the Stags' preparation as tournament time approaches. But uh, first of all, coach, wanted to ask you how many fans did you hear from former players, perhaps former coaches? They gave you may, maybe even more of a perspective on Fairfield basketball as you headed into that alumni hall finale last Sunday. Yeah, it was, you know, got quite a few emails about it. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of the alumni, the alumni office reached out to me with some list of people who were coming back and uh, just really started to get a buzz about the game, you know, a few days before. And then uh, had a pregame reception like they always do over at the admissions um, building and uh went over there was had a big crowd over there so just just a different vibe for sure about the game and um you know a lot of people with some real uh you know emotional attachments to alumni hall and it was great to see it really was so uh we talked off air before the game about your message to the team and uh i know that you conveyed to them listen we need to honor this place and the players and coaches who have come through it and the fans who have been a part of this Fairfield experience. And it wasn't a matter of your team not bringing it emotionally. They played hard. Uh, certainly you defended a good offensive team well enough. It's just that the offense wasn't there again. I, I guess I'm being overly obvious by stating that had to be one of your bigger disappointments of this year and not being able to deliver in that particular game. Yeah, it was a disappointment. We, we you know, I wanted to play well for, for all the obvious reasons and, and, you know, obviously play well for ourselves as we head down the stretch here. But, uh, you know, give Ryder credit. They're a good team, very talented team. Um, but it's, it's you know, certainly been our Achilles heel all year, as our inability to score the basketball and to make shots. And, uh, you know, we were we were not good in that either department, um, you know, this weekend. So, yeah, it, it was disappointing. Uh, I wanted uh, all the people who came back to uh, leave with a good feeling about the building and, uh, I, you know, certainly winning would have helped that. But that was part of our effort, as you said, Bob. But we just – our offensive execution and our ability to score is, is you know, bit hampered us all season. And, and um, you know, certainly on Sunday it was another issue. You said after the game we continue or will continue to look for answers to um, improve offensively. You know, obviously the sand and the hourglass is winding down on this season – how much, you know, tweaking or, you know, answers can you find at this point in the season for something that's, you know, been a struggle all season long? Yeah. Um, you know, we continue to tweak things. We continue to look at, um, you know, our opponents and see if we can steal some points on out-of-bounds unders or sideline out-of-bounds, some of our special situations to help us. That we're, we're always doing that. And, you know, we're hoping, quite honestly, that a couple guys get hot yeah. and, and make some shots. Um, when you look at some of the teams that have made tournament runs, usually a guy – gets hot um 
and they and they kind of feed off that. And we're going to need that to happen, quite honestly, for us to, you know, advance. We need we need to make some shots, and uh, you know, whether it's Landon or Jesus or Taj or whomever, we're gonna we're gonna need to get a guy going here offensively for sure. Yeah, we mentioned a few moments ago we wanted to talk about the players who just appeared in their last home game as a stag, and you just mentioned one of those guys, Landon Taliaferro, who is certainly a candidate to uh, perhaps uh, go on one of those scoring tears. He would often do it from, or would do it usually from three-point range. But one thing we did see on Sunday is that uh, he really has developed his game this year in terms of being able to do more than just spot up for a three. In fact, I think he only hit one three on Sunday and still finished with a, a team-high 15 points. So that actually portends well for him in that if you want him to get hot, now, in your opinion, has he reached that point where he is more of a complete offensive player, more than just that three-point shooter? He's certainly done a better job this year than, than uh, when we first got here about putting the ball down and, and finding some opportunities for him to score, you know, two-point field goals. And he's gotten fouled. Uh, he's a great free-throw shooter. So anytime we go, he goes to the free-throw line, we feel it's going to be two points. Um, but, you know, they just guarded him differently, Bob, that, you know, I think teams are – pretty well aware that he's our best scoring option and he's the guy who can go for a big night. So he's being guarded so closely. Uh, teams aren't really helping off of him. Uh, they're top locking him so he can't even get over the screen. So we're trying for counters to get him open. Um, and, you know, we, we're we hoping we can get him a couple things in transition uh, early where they're not matched up. But, uh, yeah, it's been, di- it's been difficult all season to really get him some clean looks. And as you said, there are other offensive answers on this team and guys you hope to get that kind of uh, offensive punch from. You mentioned Jesus and you mentioned Taj, who has turned into a, a nice scoring threat for the Stags, especially in MAC conference play. And um, off of the bench, Idas Kavalowskis has given you some good production. Wanted to talk about him uh, in a final sense because, again, he's one of those guys who played his last home game as a Stag. And first thing I wanted to do is clarify – his eligibility status. He's only played three years as a stag, but we talked again about this off of the air. Uh, and for fans who aren't aware of it, he he's done as far as division one eligibility is concerned after his Fairfield career ends, uh, whenever in the Mac tournament. Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, that was, uh, obviously before I got here that the NCA ruled, um, you know, with some amateurism was in, issues and coming from overseas and when his clock started that they uh, they took a year away from him. So there may be a possibility that he has some eligibility uh, left Division two, but frankly that's for the school who recruits him or uh, wants to uh, go down that avenue. That's nothing that Fairfield would do. So um, I'd love to see for, for Idis's case if he wants to continue that, that to happen. But as far as Division one, yeah, his, his clock is up for that. Have you had conversations with him about his future yet, or will you do that? And where is he at academically? He's a great student, um, and he's ready to graduate here in the spring, so that won't be an issue. Um, we've had very brief conversations. Um, the first was me just kind of learning all the details about what did happen here as far as the uh, waiver procedure that went through and, and why the NCA, uh, you know, took a year away from him, and then just my thoughts on whether he could get an a year back division two. So at the end of the season, we'll sit them all, all the guys down and just kind of figure out what the next step is. And, um, you know, we'd love to see, I just have an opportunity to play. He's a great kid, good student. And, uh, and hopefully can, he can continue playing somewhere. Final thing before we uh, bring in coach Casey, um, 
you had a four-game homestand, won the first game, spectacular win, come from behind against Niagara. Then three difficult losses. I mean, you could look at every one of those games, particularly the Quinnipiac game. That was a, a heartbreaker. But the team really is, and we're not just saying this for the sake of saying it, they're playing hard, they're defending, they're rebounding, they're doing the things you want in terms of effort. But you've had three difficult losses in a row. So how do you keep them up from a mental standpoint? How do you, you know, and from a coaching perspective, what do you do in terms of keeping them, you know, positive? Yeah, I mean, we just, you know, we're right there in every game. Um, you know, we, we keep continue to show them the mistakes that we uh, make and, and how we can cut down on those things and our execution in certain big moments. Uh, we're showing them positive plays too. And, you know, quite honestly, yesterday we should, we, I went in there to show them film and we took them bowling. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't show them any film. Uh, we just needed a mental break from the long weekend yeah. and from the tough losses. And they said, we're not going to watch film. We're just going to get in. We're going to, we're going to go bowling. And, uh, coach Casey was a good bowler. Obviously he's practiced before. And uh, Vince is a good bowler. Other than that, not very many good bowlers out there. Where, where'd you go bowling? Was it duck right. pen bowling or uh, regular bowling? Regular bowling, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the first time we've done that, just to kind of clear our minds and, and uh, had a really good practice, I thought, today, getting ready for Monmouth. And uh, you know, sometimes you just need a little break from, from all that. I have one bowling-related question. How, how the heck is Vince a yeah, good bowler? We're not sure about he that. We have no idea. It straight. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Rolls it straight. It's yeah. the pins. Yeah. 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 That's, that's <laughs> well, well, you go to school in Maine, there's not a whole lot of things you <laughs> want to do, true. especially I, outdoors. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, you just heard the voice of uh, assistant coach Chris Casey, who has uh, been around the block a few times in this conference. Uh, longtime assistant coach. A lot of our fans may not remember that. Coach, going back to the early uh, 90s through actually the late 90s, you were an assistant at St. Peter's. Then, of course, the uh, – Long-time head coach at Niagara. So um, you've been around the MAC for a long time, and now here you are still in the MAC. Fortunately uh, for Fairfield, uh, you end up here as an assistant under Jay. What were the circumstances that led to the union between you and Jay Young and you and Fairfield University? Well, um, you know, Jay Jay was uh, was good enough to give me an opportunity to come in here and speak to him about Fairfield. Fairfield's a great institution. Um, we have uh, terrific facilities here, and the education is outstanding. And, and um, you know, when, when Jay got the job, uh, I always had a great respect for his ability to coach basketball. He works extremely hard at it. Uh, very, very knowledgeable guy. Um, I, I've known him a lot of years. Uh, we go back to when he was at Salem State, and I was an assistant at Western Connecticut State. Uh, our our head co- The head coaches we worked for were both friendly and we got a chance to meet each other, and through the years and our stops, we crossed paths a number of times. So, Soup Campbell. Yeah, yeah. One of the greatest one of all time. One of the all-time greats. I could tell you stories. Uh, so could I, but I don't think they're for this <laughs> podcast. John. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, when Jake did get the job, I I, um, I knew he was going to need a staff, and I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity to get with a great guy. And, you know, uh, similar mindset, you know, just grind, work hard. Uh, coach the guys, make them better, do things the right way. And um, he was good enough to, to bring me in and, and speak about the position. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that he hired me. And I've enjoyed, you know, obviously you want to win more games. You want to win every game. But in terms of uh, the coaching aspect and the camaraderie, the staff, and, you know, the kids working hard, 
that part of it has been a, a very enjoyable uh, season for me. Coach, it sounds like Coach Young, it sounds like Chris reached out to you, but did you have him on your short list when you began compiling candidates for your staff? Actually, I reached out to Chris first. Okay, so yeah, I that wrong. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, when I got the job here, uh, you know, I've probably had a, a list through the years of, of, you know, guys, if I did get a chance, who I would want to have work with me. And, uh, you know, when when Chris became available, he was the head coach at the, Niagara the year before, so obviously he, uh, that wasn't going to happen. But when Chris was available, I said, man, this would be a home run. Um uh, to get a guy I've known, a guy I respect a lot as a coach and as a person, and obviously his knowledge of the league would be a great help to me. So it just checked every single box, um, and honestly, I was really just hoping he would have an interest in doing it. Um, that was that, you know, and luckily for me, he did, and uh, it's been uh, it's been great to have him on the staff and the other guys too. I've got an unbelievable staff, so it uh, it was I was fortunate it worked out. Uh, Jay, <clears throat> every assistant obviously wants to be a, a head coach. Chris has been a head coach. Is he giving you a certain commitment? Did you ask for a certain commitment in terms of years or no? No, no. We we you know, and if 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 Chris has an opportunity, uh, I was an assistant for a lot of years, and uh, I worked for a great guy. And if I ever had an opportunity, uh, he was the first one to help me with it and and wish me the best. And and hope and same with Chris. He's a great coach, and uh, if something came his way. You know, I wish the best for him and, and hope he gets the job. So um, I hope he's here for an awful long time for selfish reasons, but uh, we never we never had that conversation. Coach Casey, you're a, you're a city guy, New York City native? Yeah, yeah kind of half and half. I, I born in Brooklyn and grew up really in Queens, uh, right on the Brooklyn-Queens border in Jackson Heights. And uh, my father uh, was in the Army, and uh, when he got out of the Army, he started off in the mailroom at IBM and worked in Manhattan. And uh, that's where he started our family. And um, when I was starting high school, my father was transferred up to Armock and to Westchester. So at that point, we moved out of Queens and then moved into uh, right outside of Danbury, Connecticut, uh, which is on the New York border, uh, a little closer to where he'd be working in Armock and Westchester. Now, you played a high school basketball where? At New Fairfield High School okay. in Connecticut. And in fact, a funny story for you, too, is I went to basketball camp in Alumni Hall when I was uh, in eighth grade. I think you were still playing at the time. Fred Barakat was the coach. And, uh, yeah, I went to basketball camp right in Alumni Hall. Somewhere in the archives, there's a list with me on the all-star team for that week <laughs> and, and one-on-one champion. I don't know where that is, but it's in in the archives for uh, Fred's basketball camp. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And then you played at Western Connecticut. Yes. And that – after your uh, playing career at Western Connecticut set you off on uh, an, an assistant coaching career before you eventually became a head coach. Uh, what sparked your interest in coaching? All right, so that's a good question. So, uh, again, my father was working at IBM at the time, so I went to college and um, everybody majored in business, so I majored in business and uh, had a dual major with the beginnings of computer science, too. I've uh, got an internship that became a full-time job the summer after my senior year at uh, Ethan Allen Furniture Company, which is their headquarters is in Danbury. And after about three weeks of this, I came home and I said to my father, I said, Pop, I don't know how you do this every day. <laughs> and he said, do what? And I said, just sit at a desk every day, day in. I, I don't think I can do this. And he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to coach basketball. So I proceeded at the time, you know, there's no internet, there's no 
anything. So I went to the library. I got a book of all the Division One schools. I think there might have been 220 at the time. And I wrote every single one of them, sent a resume, asked for a, a graduate assistant job. That was the entry-level position. And um, I got some great letters back. So I'll give you one of the letters I, I got back was from Dean Smith. Somewhere it's in my mother's house somewhere. And his letter said, uh, thank you for your interest in coaching in, at North Carolina. We normally reserve these positions for former players. However, I will keep your resume on file with the 1,500 other resumes I have <laughs> of people that would like to coach in North Carolina. That's, That's a true great. story. That's, That's exactly great. So, um, so I applied for all these jobs, got rejections all the way across, and uh, the one, the one uh, interest I got was from Central Connecticut State. Uh, Bill Dietrich, Joe, was the coach then, and um, they were Division Two going Division One. Uh, it was like a half a graduate assistant spot. I had to work on the outside also, went there, coached, took some classes, and that's the way I got started. Uh, you know, Coach Dietrich, I was fortunate enough that he gave me a chance to, to take the spot. I've been coaching ever since. And you ended up in the MAC as an assistant under Ted Fiore. Is that correct, at St. Peter's? Right, at St. Peter's. That was in 1991. I was there from like 91 to 98. Uh, Ted was the coach for five of those years. And then one of the assistants I was a, a co-worker with, Roger Blinn, was the coach my last two years there. Okay, so you've had uh, plenty of experience in the MAC, And we'll bring it around now to what we want to talk about is um, – MAC tournament time. Now, Coach Young, you've been a part of uh, winning tournaments uh, in America East, uh, championship teams at Stony Brook, and, of course, uh, through the Big Ten tournament. And, uh, Coach Casey, you've been an assistant at St. John's, so you know what the Big East tournament's all about and the, the grind there. But my question would be, what makes, if, it, if there is anything that makes it different, the MAC tournament? What is different about the MAC tournament? What are, what's the, what are the special skill sets, for lack of a better term, that you need to bring to the MAC tournament? We'll start with you, Coach Casey, because you've you know, been through a lot of these. Um, what makes it different? What, what does Fairfield need to be ready to do here in Atlantic City? I always think one of the great things about the MAC is if, if you can get in, in those top five seeds, you've got an absolute chance to win the whole thing. And that doesn't preclude a lower seed from winning it either. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, Fairfield went to right. the championship games, a lower seed. Um, you know, uh, Paul Cormier here won the tournament as a lower seed. So Last I think place. that, yeah, that, that is one of the great things about this tournament is really, truly anybody can win it. Very rarely does the number one seed win the tournament. Uh, and, and really, if you get hot towards the end going into the tournament, you have a great shot at it. Uh, so I, I always thought that was a, a, an enjoyable thing about the league. You knew you had a shot going into it. Uh, I think the guard play in the league is outstanding. It's always been a, a very, very good guard league. So consequently, you get exciting games. You know, you get buzzer beaters. You get, you know, guards step up and play well, some shot making. So that's always a, a great thing about the tournament. And I think the neutral site makes it like that, you know, because it's not a home site. You give everybody a shot to go ahead in and win that. Now, there's a counter-argument to it, too. You know, you go through the whole season, you're the number one seed, why shouldn't you get a, high, a home game? But I always think the tournament's more enjoyable when you got uh, more cards in the middle, you got more of a shot to win it. I'll ask you both, and I'll start with Coach Casey. Um, look, Fairfield's going to go in having to win four games <clears throat> to win the whole thing. And, you know, you, know, you want to get past that first game and then hope you get hot. But what, um, what about this Fairfield team, Coach Casey, impresses you in terms of, okay, here is what 
they're capable of doing and why they're capable of pulling off some surprises here in the MAC tournament? Uh, you know, one of the think, things I think that we've uh, done a good job with all year, and Coach has done a terrific job with it, is I, I really do believe we're playing hard and we're guarding and rebounding. You know, now you always think you can play harder. There's no coach out there that watches his team and thinks, well, we played hard enough. You always think you can play harder. You always think you can do more. But coach has them defending uh, on more often than not on, on possessions. Coach has them rebounding more often than not on possessions. And I think we've done a really good job with it. And it's kept us, the games you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, the recent games, the Siena game, the Quinnipiac, it's put us in position to win those games at the end. Um, now the thing we have to do is exactly what, what coach said earlier. We have to get hot. We got to make some shots. You know, uh, it's very difficult to, to move on and advance in a tournament with just defending and rebounding. You got to have some guys to make some shots. You got to have some guys that can get you a bucket when the shot clock's running down or it's the end of the half. So we need a couple guys to step up and do that. The fact that we defend and rebound gives us a chance in any game. We get a couple guys making a few shots and making some big plays. Uh, we think, and I think, we can beat anybody in this league. Coach uh, Young, uh, when you were at Stony Brook, I know you had some tremendous teams there who won America East tournaments. Did you have any uh, Stony Brook teams that pulled off surprises maybe as a lower seed in the America East tournament and uh, maybe can make a comparison as to what maybe your Fairfield Stacks can do this year? So we, the first year we won the America East, uh, the league, we got beat by a very good BU team in the semis. That was Brian's uh, sophomore year, I believe. His Assistant sophomore, coach, Brian yeah, Dewar. Yeah, Brian Dewar, uh, sophomore year. The next year we come back, we had a very, very good player there named Tommy Brenton, who was uh, a, a stud. He was defensive player of the, uh, of the year. He was player of the year. He's in the same class with Brian. He blows out his knee right before the season started. We lose him for the whole year. And we we languished around fourth, fifth place. And um, we were getting beat up in Maine, and we put in a kid named Lenny Hayes uh, about halfway through the game just because Steve was tired of watching the guys who were out there. We threw him in. He barely played. Uh, and he went for 24 in the game. We still lost the game. We rode Lenny Hayes to a championship game that year, and we lost to BU at the buzzer on a foul call with two seconds to go. And it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was a kid for one month who just played completely out of his mind and shot the ball. And we beat, uh, won the first round game, beat Vermont, who was the number one seed in the semis, and had to play BU for the trip to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, Lost to them by two on a foul call with two seconds to go in the wow. game. Wow. But uh, that was probably the craziest thing. And just we had a kid come in and, and you know, he had the best two months of his life in college basketball, and, and we, we kind of rode him to a championship game. So um, Chris just gave his thoughts on having the games in one arena. In the America East, you're at home sites, correct? We were um, our last year that I was there. Last year or last two years? Last year I was there. They had a weird format at America East that the uh, quarters and semis all went to a neutral site. Uh, not a neutral site, a, a school in our conference right, that was predetermined right. before the season started. And then the championship game went to the highest remaining uh, seed. So the championship game, game was always played at the highest remaining seed, but 
we had a very good team one year and got upset uh, by one at Albany in a semifinal game. I remember that. And the same thing happened to Vermont the next year. So it made them kind of rethink the format um, because the number one seeds were getting beat, you know, on basically what amounts to a road game. So they changed it uh, my last year in America East, and that's the year we won it at home versus Vermont and played Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. So your thoughts on that, on that, those having the games in those venues, what do you think about having games at home sites as opposed to, you I, know? I, yeah, uh, I, I do think this, that any league wants to send their best team to the NCAA tournament. And uh, if you've done it over 20 games or 18 games or – there should be some sort of reward for that. Now, I know you get the number one seed, but it's just so difficult. We were, before uh, we broke through and won our championship game versus one, we were 0-4 in championship games. And every possible way that you could lose a game uh, had happened. Two year, the year before we won the championship game, we were about to beat Albany, and that was the ball that got tipped that you saw a million times on ESPN, the ball that got tipped out to Peter Hooley, uh, and his mom had just passed mm. away, and he made a shot at the buzzer to beat us. So some crazy things can happen. But, you know, it was a combination of of us not playing well, the other team, uh, some some unlucky things. But there is something to be said. I, I, I just think that you've played, um, you know, you've played 18 or 20 games during the regular season, and there should be a reward for that. Um, and, and, you know, home court is that re- reward. But, you know, I, I – I'm excited to go down to Atlantic City. I really am. It's going to be my first time uh, with everybody in one spot, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to some great games. You do have two regular season games to go before you get to Atlantic City and a pair of difficult games at Monmouth and then at Manhattan. Uh, difficult games, but they do, in a sense, give you a way to prepare for the MAC tournament, don't they? I mean, you're this, not going to be in a hostile environment when you're in the MAC tournament, but just the game prep for these, uh, these challenges on the road. Sort of a nice trial by fire to get ready for the tournament, isn't it? Right. Yeah, there's no question, Bob. We said that uh, the other day. This is kind of our, uh, you know, we, we get two road games now here. We're going to jump on a bus just like we will for the tournament. We're going to have to play in unfamiliar territory and, you know, going to have to play well to get wins. So if there's ever kind of a good um, test to end the regular season and go into playoffs, probably being on the road is better for us. Um and getting a feel for that. So we got two very good teams, two tough games coming up. Uh, but that's what this time of year is all about. You know, you've got to, you've got to perform well. And uh, we're, uh, we're going to go down to Monmouth. And, and, you know, obviously we were fortunate enough to beat them here. And, and they have a very, very talented team. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, as we say all the time, you know, make one more basket than they and get back on the bus and come home. But, uh, uh, yeah, so, it, so you're right. It is, it is a good uh, kind of test for us going into the tournament for sure. Coach Casey, uh, how many uh, championships at St. Peter's? Was it one, two MAC tournaments that uh, you won? We won two. Okay? Two two quick stories on both of those. You're talking about number one seeds. Uh, we played number one seeds in the final both times. Uh, Joe, you mentioned Gary Brokaw at Iona. We played them in the final. And the funny thing about how the tournament is different, we were talking about before, Iona had beat us by 20-plus points both home and away that year. And then we beat them in the championship game. And then fast forward four years later, we're playing Manhattan in the final. Uh, Franny Fischilla was coaching at that point. That had Shimu Evans. They had a terrific team. In fact, they went to the tournament as that was one of the two times that Mac got in that large right. bid. 
and they got to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Uh, they beat us by 20-plus both games during the season, and we win in the final in overtime. So uh, both of those both of those games were, I mean, literally the Manhattan game, I mean, you know, you're going in there trying to win, but you're thinking, all right, well, we got a shot at an NIT bid if we lose this, you know. And then somehow we're able to figure out a way to beat them in overtime. So, you know, anybody beats anybody in that tournament. Airfield's done it. They pulled. Uh, they won it three times, and uh, of course, uh, the, the third, the most recent, which was a while ago, nineteen ninety-seven. You already alluded to it, Coach. Uh, they were the last place team. They were the last seed. But what people didn't realize, or at least the nation didn't realize, is that that was a Fairfield team that had been banged up all year, but had tremendous players: Shannon Bowman and uh, Greg Francis. And uh, then they had a guy named Darren Phillip, who was an unknown quantity at the time because he, he qualified late. He was a freshman. He would end up as the best rebounder, essentially. Drew Henderson is right there, of course. But Darren Phillip was as good a rebounder as there ever was in Fairfield history. And that team came together in the tournament. And you talk about uh, surprising Manhattan. That Fairfield team in 1997 beat Canisius in the MAC tournament, the Canisius team that had beaten Fairfield three weeks earlier by, what was it, 36, 40 points, something like, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, it was the worst defeat in Fairfield history. The point being that magic can happen. <laughs> you talked about it, Coach Casey. Coach Young, you've uh, you've seen that happen. So uh, what Joe and I are saying right now is how about a little magic again right. next week in Atlantic City. It won't be our last podcast, though, that we do here today. Uh, we will have a, a postseason season podcast uh, and a actually a season preview as well we'll do a season in review and uh, we'll look forward to a next year as well we're going to bring in uh, coach if he's available we haven't confirmed this yet but uh, your point guard of the future is Caleb Green we'll talk to him next time around but uh, Joe any final thoughts no no just uh, it's been a good year uh, covering you guys really impressed with you know I've said a number of times on the broadcast I don't care who comes into this gym you guys are going to be in the game no matter um, you know who you're playing, you're going to be in the game because of your defense. You just need – you mentioned the key word, and you used plural with that word, guys, to make baskets at the end. Guys, in, this, in order to be a championship team, you have to have more than one that you can rely on. The worst time to coach, Bob, uh, uh, with all due respect, is uh, going into a game hoping someone's going to get hot. You need consistent guys you know that are going to get. So So good luck. And Bob said um, bring home some magic. All right. Coach Casey, it's been great having you on board all year long with the staff. Good to have you on board with the podcast. Thanks for giving us some time today. Thanks for having me here today. I enjoyed it. And, Coach, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Best of luck down in Atlantic City and at Monmouth and at Manhattan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And that will do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young. Our final podcast will be produced the week following the MAC tournament. It will be the season in review. We'll look ahead to the 2020-2021 season. So you'll want to be with us for that one. So for Coach Young and Coach Casey and the great Joe DeSantis, I'm Bob Huesler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.